The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S. Experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. On November 9th, a massive nighttime fire destroyed six businesses in the Parksville Heritage Centre. Here to talk about the response to that blaze, we welcome back Parksville's Fire Chief, Mark Norris. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Philip. It's my pleasure. How many big calls do you get like that incident in a month or a year? I guess that depends on the definition of what a big call is. Something of the size of the square footage of a fire like that is not very usual. That fire was in the neighborhood of about 16,000 square feet or so. That is unusual. We tend to average about one structure fire a month of some description. When did you receive the call and how quickly do you mobilize your personnel? So the way we mobilize is by radio pagers. So when somebody calls 911, they go to a primary answering point, which is at ECOM in Vancouver. They're the ones that ask police fire ambulance. That goes out to our dispatcher then at Campbell River Fire Dispatch, and they tone us out or activate our pagers. So that process, it's usually under a minute for that to happen. Once our pagers go off, it takes our members to muster to the fire station, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of between four and six minutes, depending on time of day and where people are, those sorts of things. And then it's travel time to the incident. So you're looking at anywhere between a couple of minutes to four to six minutes to get to the outer ends of our fire protection area. In this particular case, it's about a five minute, five and a half minute drive from the fire station to the heritage area. So who makes the call to bring in other departments? So that is the incident commander's call. And there's two ways that we do that. We have agreements with our neighbors, our partner in surrounding fire departments. We have what's called a mutual aid agreement, which is an agreement with eight other fire services where we can call them and request a certain type of resource, for instance, a fire engine. We also have an automatic aid agreement where for certain types of occupancies, that call goes out automatically. So in the case of the Heritage Mall, that was a mutual aid call and the incident commander decided he wanted to initially bring in additional engines from Qualicum, Arrington and the Noose. And then subsequently, he got another engine from Coombs and another one from Dashwood. What were the biggest challenges associated with that particular fire? So two things come to mind. One is that it's an older building. And older buildings tend to have two things happening in them. One is that the building codes weren't as stringent back in the day in terms of fire safety. So less fire separations and those sorts of things. But also that, and then there's usually some renovations have happened over the years to the buildings. So they have changed and sometimes a couple ceilings in an older building or certain spaces, which can make it hard access. And then the other thing that happened that we realized when we got on scene is that we had an extensive fire in the truss system of the structure. And those are very hard fires to access. It had a high ceiling, had a drop ceiling, 
been a quite a high ceiling. And so by the time you make access into the ceiling area, the fire's quite a bit past where you are. Then the result is typically that the ceiling drops in on top of it. So that is exactly what happened at that particular level. I was watching it from the street, and as it went from each office to office, I thought, oh, they might be able to save the next one, and then a big fireball would come out of the ceiling, and then maybe they can save the next one, and then another big fireball. It, it must have been a real challenge. Yeah, and the fire's often quite a bit ahead of where you think it is. We often focus on where we see fire. The fire burning in the trust space is quite a bit past where that is. What are some of the biggest challenges in general that you face when fighting fires? I think in general, we don't always know what the situation is in the structure or in the vehicle. So we're going into the unknown. We'll have a general idea from the type of occupancy, but what people put in the space or what they've got going on, and we don't always know that when we head in. So our firefighters have to have their head on a swivel and be very aware of the environment because people's homes are their castles and they can pretty much do what they want in there. And so it's not uncommon for us to find flammable liquids in there, propane cylinders, other types of compressed gases, high accumulations of things. Boarding is fairly common. There's all these different things we can encounter, along with all the other things. When you have a fire, you don't know what the status of the electrical system is or the gas system in the house. And until you get those things turned off, they can present a hazard too, because those things are not in the state they were intended to. Was there something in particular about this building that made it especially dangerous? The danger here is with a fire in the trust space is that it's very difficult to access quickly. And so that hampers firefighting as well as you have to put personnel below it to get in there, which is where everything's going to want to fall. And so it ends up being quite a dangerous situation. And another factor there is that when you're trying to get water into that space to get it on the fire, you have to open it up from a dangerous location, either below or above. When it burns through the roof, even though you can see the fire, when you're trying to get water on it, the roof is made to shed water. So as the roof droops in, the water sheds into the hole. It's very difficult to get it to where the fire is. So those are the challenges that we face. Our number one concern when there's no life safety risk, so there's no one to be saved there or there's no known occupants, is keeping our firefighters as safe as possible. The fire crews stayed through the night to battle the blaze and its aftermath. Is that commonplace? I don't think it's as common to stay for that long. Just the scope of this particular fire, the size of the structure, and the fact that the roof was down on top of the contents in the units makes it difficult to get at the hot spots. Our initial crews were probably on scene for about five hours, and then we started to release them home. But we had a crew of five stay just to extinguish hot spots, identify them and extinguish them, as well as through the day. The next day, we had a couple of people there doing the same thing. So we didn't get fully out of there until about 4 p.m. the next day. How does an investigation into a fire like that take place? And how long does it normally take? And who is involved? It's different on every fire. It's just going to depend on the circumstances, how easy or difficult it is to actually see or get at the areas of origin and actually determine cause. You know, as a fire department, we work under the Fire Services Act in the province, and we have the ability to hold the fire scene. We are responsible for investigating the fire cause, so the origin of the fire, and if we can identify a cause, that is all we're interested in. 
for reporting to the province. The other folks that are involved are often insurance investigators. So in this particular case, you're going to have probably seven insurers. One of the businesses self-insures in that location. They may assign a fire investigator also to try and for cause. Now, their reasons for assigning investigators are financial, where ours are for, for actual cause determination. So if you have a loss of life in a fire, then of course the RCMP and the coroner's office are also involved. And so there's several investigations going on currently at the same time. And so it's coordination between everybody and making sure that we do things in an orderly fashion. In this case, it was deemed accidental? The way we approach it is we want to make sure that there's no indication of an illegal act. So in this particular case, with the Heritage Mall fire, there's no indication of an illegal act. If something were to come up, for instance, we had a witness or there was some type of indication that it was an illegal act, then that information would immediately go to the RCMP and they would open that type of criminal investigation. How often do members of the public get to tell you just how much the efforts of you and your crews mean, and how do you feel about those moments personally? I think any member in the fire service appreciates a little bit of recognition. I certainly don't think we do it for that. I don't think any member is out for that recognition, but it's always nice to have a good word. The Heritage Fire is an example of one where we did get several people stopping by and thanking us. And the MP, who has an office in the other building, stopped by. The mayor stopped by. And, and even folks like yourselves that were occupants in the building. We had a lot of thanks from those folks, too. And so our members appreciate that, being recognized for their efforts. But certainly that's not what they're in it for. But it is always nice to have a thank you. In this case, we absolutely appreciate you. How do you and your members deal with the mental aspects of the job, given you can see so much devastation? It's never easy. A fire like the Heritage Mall fire is certainly never nice to see. There are seven or eight businesses affected there. And we all live in the community and work here. and We, we never want to see that kind of devastation. It's, it's not good for any of us. I think when we talk about motor vehicle accidents and fires where we have a loss of life or sometimes medical calls, it's never easy to deal with the death or the serious injury of a person. Those things are very traumatic and you can't unsee them. And so mental health for our firefighters is a high priority. We spend time training on that. We train people to provide critical incident stress management diffusings here at the fire station. One of our local fire departments, Dashwood, took the lead on a mental health booklet, which we all share. And we're just in the middle of printing right now for each firefighter in the district will get one of these booklets and it has resources for them, their families. So mental health is a big priority for us. Are any of the departments in PQB currently looking for new members? We are all looking for members all the time. On-call volunteer fire service membership is slowly declining with the decline of volunteerism across the country. It's a big deal. We can't maintain the service levels that we, we do without having dedicated volunteers that are around for a decent length of time. There's a lot of training involved, and it's a big ask. Recruiting and retention is a huge challenge right across North America and the fire service right now. If anyone is interested, how might they go about contacting you? The very best thing to do first is be sure which fire protection area you live in. Contact your local fire department and find out what the recruiting activities are at the time. Every fire department in this local area will have you for a visit and talk to you about the job and give you an application and, and get you signed up if you're a suitable candidate. 
you live in Parksville or our Parksville Fire Protection Area, phone us at the fire station, come by for a visit, visit us at our website, firerescue.ca, and there's a recruiting page there, and we'd be happy to communicate with any interested parties. Mark, we can't thank you enough for everything that you do. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Philip. I appreciate taking the time to talk to you. That's this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com.